Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. We are helping you start the weekend off right with a packed episode. We have PGA tournament going on, and we break down some landing spots for popular NBA free agents, a little bit of NFL discussion, and a great AFC East edition of Fantasy Football Friday. Stay plugged into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Guys, all you have to do is say, Alexa, play Burst Your Bubble podcast. Then remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. All right, Kyle, here we are on a beautiful Friday, beautiful, beautiful Friday in New Jersey. Uh, we kind of got late starting this one, but it's okay. We're here now, and we're going to get through it. We are, Josh. It is a beautiful Friday, like you said. Uh, working hard, but I'm watching baseball. Tweeting about it. Couldn't be better. Uh, how are you enjoying your vacation? I, man, I'll tell you, I'm having a blast. We uh, we got up this morning. We fiddled around a little bit. About 8 o'clock, we took off on a run down to the beach. We ran about three and a half miles and we uh, walked over to a little coffee shop, sat in there, got some coffee, walked on the beach, sipping on the coffee. It was just a beautiful day. It actually ended up raining this evening a little bit, but we were already inside and uh, just playing a couple card games and just hanging out. So it's been, it has been great to relax. Okay, so let's go back to the coffee shop. Uh, let's get the vibe of the coffee shop. Let's hear it. Okay, so it's a, it was very small, very, very small uh you i don't think that they could fit more than six or seven people in there uh Perfect for covid yeah exactly so uh they didn't lose any business i'm sure <laughs> we uh her her great aunt told us about this little spot gave us a flyer for it uh, becca got a uh, caramel frappe like normal and i got a basic white girl white chocolate mocha Ooh. and uh so yeah it was the they were playing some good jazz we uh, just hung out for a minute till we got the coffee, and it was pretty good. There was a was uh, one one woman who was working. She was probably seventy three, and she was just as sweet as could be. As they all are down there, it's just a, it's really just a simpler world in those parts of the country. Absolutely, you know, and you know, a lot of the East Coast can be rude, can you know, but actually, on this little strip of the island, you have just a lot of retired or people on vacation and everyone's just here to have a good time and relax man and that's it's such it's something we could really uh we could all learn from absolutely i wish i met more people like this so uh you said you had a white uh what was it a white chocolate mocha basic white, white chocolate girl drink. Mocha. yeah that's pretty basic um i i like it it sounds good josh it sounds like you're having a lot of fun down there um sounds like you got a workout planned in a couple hours so I'm happy for you, man. I, I'm jealous, actually. Well, whenever, uh, you know, we talked in the airport right before the interview with Kyle uh, on Wednesday's episode, and you told me I was going to gain some weight eating all those honey butter chicken biscuits from Whataburger. So I got I to gotta do something to burn off all these calories. Yeah, because I bet you're eating pretty good. Absolutely, I am. So how's, uh, how was your first day at the, at the baseball expo? Dude, like I said, it was amazing. I got to watch baseball all day. I uh, got – clips and different highlights sent to me all day from you know, parents and field scouts and my bosses and different people that are at the fields and different teams and seeing all these kids you know really vying for a dream really trying to get noticed really especially you know we'll, we'll talk about the MLB draft here in a little bit um, is, you know with that going on really seeing these kids work to get there and you know these are 15 16 17 year old kids best in best in the state so uh, really fun to watch them and really fun to showcase their talent. Well, go ahead. Give it the plug. What is your expo called? What What are you tweeting from? So it's a Big Fire Showcase. Big, uh, you can follow us. Just look up Big Fire. You'll find it. Um, we're, we're tweeting all day long the next few days and all all weekend for the rest of the summer. So uh, give us a follow. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun if you like baseball. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure even the Tulsa Drillers got in on the tweeting today. They did. So uh, the first of many blue check marks to get on, get in on the uh, big fire and burst your bubble. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And we're actually going to have on uh, one of my bosses from big fire. He was actually a ball boy and um, assistant 
manager of the mascot for the Oklahoma City Thunder for six years. Oh, wow. For Rumble. That's awesome. I can't wait for it. Yeah, and his first year was um, when the Hornets actually moved there with Chris Paul's rookie year. So he's got some great stories. Can't wait to have him on. Absolutely. Going full circle, having Chris Paul back now. Well, I guess we can go ahead and dive into some headlines here, Kyler. Let's do it. What do you got? So I guess we can start with a little bit of college or a little bit of uh, NFL. John Harbaugh is frustrated, Kyler. He is frustrated of the uh, outline and the memo, the guidance, you want to say, for the reopening of practice facilities. So, uh, quote, these guidelines are impossible. These guidelines are impossible. So there's just – he says that there's too many things that they are wanting them to do that's just impossible to adhere to all of the restrictions and all of the guidelines that they have set forth. So, Josh, this reckons me back to a take that I had. Um, when I told you about a – I think it was a New York Times article headline that said, will students wear masks all day? No, they won't. <laughs> and that's the same thing with NFL coaches. They won't wear their masks all day. Yeah, they're not going to wear their masks all day. And it's like you said, this is a communication sport. He has to be able to practice. He has to be able to coach. He says, uh, are guys going to shower one at a time all day? Are guys going to lift weights one at a time all day? No, it's not going to happen. And something needs to change. Yeah, you know, that's actually what I've, what I've kind of worried about, uh, wondered about, not really worried about. Uh, with my gym reopening, even at my apartment, you know, like what I haven't been yet, but like, I kind of want to know like how many people they're letting in at a time. Like what's, you know, are they wiping down the weights? Like I, not really cause I'm worried about it. Just like, I'm kind of curious and I'm definitely curious in the NFL training facilities. Yeah. And one is kind of what Harbaugh says, you know, they're smart people making these rules or you have to hope that they are. And so it's, it's almost, even in our day-to-day -day lives, you have to trust that the people running these, the businesses and the gyms that we go to and even the NFL teams and all major league sports uh, are adhering to these, to the guidelines and taking the precautions necessary. It just seems uh, for some of these professional sports that they need to uh, kind of get realistic with what's going to happen and make rules based off of that. Yeah, I mean, Josh, I don't know about any of this. And I think we've kind of reiterated that from the beginning of all of uh, since the podcast began, you know, uh, since right around the NBA getting canceled. Josh, we don't know anything. And that's pretty obvious. Um, we, you know, we see states that are seem like they're having uh, somewhat of a second outbreak or second, you know, whatever, since states are kind of reopening. But that's kind of expected. But again, Josh, I don't know. So uh, I think we're going to see football. I think everything is going to stay open. But again, I don't know. Yep, definitely not a, a health expert. We can only guesstimate as to what's going to happen. But this is very interesting to come out from John Harbaugh and the fact that he is such a uh, prominent voice in the NFL. And if he's frustrated, you have to think that other teams are as well. Someone who has not been frustrated, or can't say they're not frustrated, but they, uh, they haven't let this stop them, is Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. So uh, it's been reported that Daniel Jones has been conducting uh, throwing practice with – He's invited all running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends to participate down in Austin, Texas. And so uh, some of the players that have been were Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, and Caden Smith. I'm all in on that. All in on Daniel Jones and the Giants this year. So this is a, a big-time move for a young quarterback trying to come into his own, building chemistry with the team that uh, struggled offensively last year. And hopefully, you know, getting a little bit extra work in the offseason, a little, little bit of throwing practice will will do wonders for the New York football giants. Yep. Um, I, like I said, I'm all in, all, all in on the New York football giants, and that's not because I have Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard on my dynasty team. <laughs> Absolutely, because you, why would you bring that up? No one cares about our dynasty teams. Doesn't uh, do this. <laughs> what do you have next? Uh, so let's get into – Real quickly, Josh, before we got into the draft, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Kaepernick situation. I'm kind of, uh, do you think we're going to see him signed by the Seahawks? I don't know that we're going to see him signed by the Seahawks now. Uh, if there was a team that's going to do it, it would not surprise me if it was Pete Carroll. Uh, he would obviously come in uh, and serve as a backup role to Russell Wilson if that was to happen. 
Um, you know, Pete Carroll came out and said he regretted not signing Kaepernick back in 2017. Um, and, you know, he, he denied that it was about the uncertainty, about the kneeling. That wasn't it um, from what he said. But he he did come out and say that he regretted not signing Kaepernick. So you have to think that if there was a team that's going to do it, uh, they would definitely be in the mix of that. But I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if the Seahawks where he's land. Obviously, with everything going on in the country, there's a lot of uh, speculation and talk about Kaepernick coming back and joining the league. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me right now with with the way that everything uh, is headed. Uh, obviously, you know Kaepernick is. Done some done some trainings with or done the the workout last year with that whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. So in, in one aspect, good. in one aspect, it wouldn't surprise me if he came back just for the fact, um, you know, where everything's at and people need quarterbacks. But on the other side, it's also I don't know if Colin Kaepernick wants back in the NFL. That's that's a really good point. I mean, but judging off that workout he did last year, I mean. You know, some people say that was some somewhat of a publicity stunt, but I don't believe that. I watched the entire workout, and he was really devoted to that workout, really um, involved in it, really engaged with his receivers and uh, with everybody out there and his coaches. So I, I think for sure he wants to be in the NFL. And, you know, we saw that you Pete Carroll did say he regret, regretted not signing him in 2017, but he also said that somebody came forward this week uh, and asked about Colin Kaepernick. So, uh, Josh, who do you think that team was? Well, the first team that comes to my mind would be the Chicago Bears, and that's just because they need a quarterback. Um, it, because you can only put your uh, yeah. faith in, in Mitch so much. Well, I, I guess that's not actually fair. They do have Nick Foles, and he they he's on a pretty a pretty big contract. So I don't really know. It's it's tough to speculate. And the and I'll go back to to my statement real quick on Kaepernick. The only reason I say I don't know that he wants the NFL uh, that the workout last year was definitely a publicity stunt from both sides um not just Kaepernick it was a publicity stunt by the NFL as well um to get him how they did and then for Kaepernick to change the location there was a big fight about it both teams were trying to get some media favorability in that ordeal um but well, just sure. with, with with everything that happened and the bad blood between Kaepernick and officials in the NFL that's why I say I don't know that he wants to actually be a part of the league yeah for sure maybe he feels uh, somewhat even, you know, if he even felt maybe there was some sort of trust he could maybe muster going into that workout, you know, it was all lost then. Uh, but the one team that I for sure could see that did ask about him, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, a really progressive owner, in the uh, Mr. Khan, uh, his son, you know, the he runs AEW basically. Uh, so I would definitely not be surprised if we saw Kaepernick end up in Jacksonville this year. See, I'm still pulling for uh, – well, I mean, I, I I say I'm pulling. I know that Jacksonville needs another quarterback, a veteran, to kind of steady uh, Minshew, which is kind of why I've had Cam Newton on the radar uh, to end up in either Jacksonville or New England. Um, and with the signing of Hoyer, it makes more sense for him to go to Jacksonville. Um, but if they could bring in Colin Kaepernick, you know, I, I think that they would definitely do that. Kind of depends on how much faith they have in Gardner moving forward, and if they want to put an extra competition. You know, I think they do have a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of trust in Gardner Minshew moving forward. But I, I just think you know, bringing bringing in uh, Colin Kaepernick, you know, he's not going to be there for more than two or three years. So I think bringing him bringing him in for at least this year, maybe two years. I, I don't th- I don't see how it hurts much. Absolutely. Well. I'll ask you this. If he goes to Jacksonville, what kind of role do you see him having? Um, a leadership role. I mean, I don't, I don't think he gets in any games. I think Gardner starts all 16 games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It would be – you kind of like with Cam, it would be that uh, veteran-esque presence. Yeah, a locker room guy. Absolutely. Well, it's definitely uh, interesting uh, to think about – be the possibility of seeing Colin Kaepernick back in the NFL after all this time and uh, what he would look like coming back. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Josh, did you have anything on the NFL, on the MLB draft? Oh, absolutely. We can get into the MLB draft a little bit. Uh, Boy from Arkansas made it second pick overall. Heston Kerstad. 
went to the Baltimore Orioles. Huge, huge pickup here. Um, this made a lot of people happy uh, around my area, Tahlequah, Arkansas. Um, the Orioles got a lot of new fans through this. So one of the, the strengths for the Orioles drafting uh, Kerstad, he's a right fielder. But what this is really going to do, uh, he was projected top 10, but they, they really think that he's going to be able to take one of those lesser deals. That way they can sign or at least target another elite player uh, to go along with him. And if they can get a some depth at the in the outfield as well as a designated hitter with the raw power that uh, – that Kershaw has, that's just going to be do wonders for the Orioles moving forward in their lineup. The Orioles could use some power in the middle of that lineup. Um, so, like I said, Josh, I was watching baseball, watching high school baseball, uh, getting those takes delivered, giving, getting those uh, highlights and videos and pictures and clips and interviews and all of that delivered to me all day. So I couldn't really digest too much of the MLB draft. Um, I really just saw some storylines that I would see on Twitter as I was scrolling through. Uh, one thing I saw is the number seven pick was a walk-on at New Mexico State. Oh, yeah, Nick Gonzalez. Yeah, he's uh, he was a monster uh, this past year, putting up huge numbers. That's ridiculous. I mean, uh, so I saw he was a walk-on, and I kind of said to my buddy that I'm working with, I was like, I was like, well, you know, at what school? Because maybe he just, like, you know, turned down to a lot of schools and maybe just walked on to, like, Cal or Stanford or something. No, he walked on at New Mexico State. I mean, like, yeah, so I got to give it up to that guy. Did you see the numbers that he put up? No, I didn't. Listen, like I said, li- listen to this, and this is this is accurate. He had a four four eight batting average, a six ten on base percentage, and a one point one one five slugging percentage. Wow, you talk about video game numbers, man. This is my this is my my player, and and it will be the show. Yeah, that, wow. Yeah, Josh, as a guy who's been tweeting out baseball numbers all day and little highlights of 15-year-olds trying to swing wooden bats, those numbers sound like uh, nasty, nasty things to me. Yeah, that is absolutely wild. Well, and I guess I can't overlook the number one pick in the draft, Spencer Torkelson. Uh, what a great name. Yeah, oh, yeah, Torkelson? Spencer Torkelson. He could be a politician one day. So, uh, obviously, one of the safest picks in the draft. Uh, number one guy, um, he's a first baseman. So, he's actually a right-handed first baseman that they called Torque. He was actually announced as a third baseman. So, what position does he play? So, he's, he's played first base uh, forever, it looks like, uh, or at least for a while now. But Rob Manfred announced him as a third baseman. Maybe maybe he's gonna make the switch. To, now he's in the big leagues. Gonna the take ti- yeah. The Tigers announced Torkelson as a third baseman after he played first base during his career at Arizona State. Wow. He's, a, he's the first third baseman to go number one overall since Pat Burrell in 1998. Well, I think A Rod went number one, huh? Well, I mean, he wasn't a third baseman at the time. But. Yeah, it's this is the first third like coming into the draft as a third baseman. Right. Yeah. Yeah, people make those switches afterwards. But, yeah, so Spencer Torkelson coming in as a third baseman after playing first base in college. So, it's got pretty interesting. Spencer Torkelson. So, speaking of great names, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and um, Trey Lance are the two top quarterbacks in the uh, upcoming football season, hopefully, if we have one. Um, are they the same person or is like, is that name just half of Trevor Lawrence? I, I'm really confused by all that. <laughs> I, uh, I will say that they are definitely two different people, but it does get a little confusing. His name is literally just half of Trevor Lawrence. So who, uh, who's a better quarterback? Well, I've never even heard of Trey Lance. I just started hearing about his name. So I, this is the first time I'm hearing about this guy. So uh, you haven't heard of Trey Lance either. He's a Heisman candidate. He's gonna be like he's. It's gonna be him and Trevor Lawrence are the number one and number two pick in the draft. What school is this kid from? I don't know. I think like North Dakota. I thought Trey, it was Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Yes. Okay. Lance. North Dakota State. Hey, I was right. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I know exactly who this is now. Yeah. He won the, uh, didn't he win the Jerry Russ? Yeah. He won the Walter Payton and Jerry Russ award. Yeah. Yeah. This kid's good, man. He's yeah, really he's good. Be, like a, a lot of people are saying he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, he could, I think you're going to see a, a two, a burrow situation. I think that, uh, I think he definitely could. I think he's going to taking some uh, some shine away from Trevor Lawrence this year, especially with uh, Lawrence not being able to win it all last year. Um, and because his name is half of Trevor Lawrence, it's easier to say. I wonder how big his hands are. That's a great question. I wonder how long his hair is. Uh, well, in these pictures, oh, I don't know. Due quarantine, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a – wow. Trey Lance. Yeah, I, I've watched – a lot of highlights on him. I just, I guess I didn't recognize the name. I'm all in. North Dakota State, I'm all in on that. Yeah, whenever we start doing locks of the week, uh, I know exactly where I'm putting my money. So let's talk about college football a little bit. Let's stay there for a second. Uh, who do you like in this college football season, Josh? Just let me, let me get one or two or three, just your favorites to win the college. Who, who's going to be in the playoffs? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm an Oklahoma guy. I'm probably going to put OU back in the playoffs. Uh, the things that it's Lincoln Riley can do with the football team and, and offense is just absolutely incredible. Uh, it seems it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. They're going to put up Heisman numbers and have a chance for a Heisman, and the team's going to play well. That defense just keeps getting better and better. Um, so I'm definitely going to put OU in the playoffs. I'm going to put Clemson back in the playoffs again with Trevor Lawrence. I think that uh, he's going to be able to lead them back into the playoffs uh, moving forward. So that's he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year, uh, just like he has been through college. So I think that they're going to be consistent and get back in the playoffs. And obviously, it's hard to root against Alabama. Uh, they did just lose uh, two and quite a bit of talent there. But it, you just can't bet against Nick Saban. So, so far, I've got OU, Clemson, Alabama. So I, I'm all in on that Alabama pick, and that's actually um, – I'm actually going to pick Alabama to win the national championship next year solely because uh, this, is, this is the champion – this is the formula that Nick Saban wins national championships with, a great defense, a systematic defense, and a placeholder at quarterback to just not turn over the ball. Yeah, that's and that's all it is. Just don't turn over the football. And that's the biggest thing, especially college football, whenever you go against teams, uh, you know, with such good defenses that you're playing like LSU has been, uh, if you turn the ball over and give it to one of those prolific offenses, you're probably going to get screwed over there. Yeah. And I, uh, Josh, I think a real dark horse to make the college football playoff, and I'm completely off of OU, as you know, Oklahoma State. I love I it. Think, hey, I'm, I think it's <laughs> – it's going to come down to the game, Oklahoma State at Texas. That's who's going to decide who's going to represent the Big 12 in the playoff. I love it. I am – you know me. Go Pokes. I'm I'm, uh, I'm Pokes all the way. So, I'm, I'm loving this. I love this optimism by you, Kyler. Yeah, I mean – and honestly, Josh, I'm not even all in on Clemson. I think – I mean, North Carolina is going to be really, really good. They were good last year. They got all – I mean, they finished uh, poorly, but uh, – they're going to be really good next year. They're returning a lot of starters. I think they could upset Clemson, and I think Clemson could lose maybe two games, maybe three. So uh, another team that I think uh, has a chance to make it into the playoffs uh, with Justin Fields back for his junior season, the Ohio State Buckeyes. They lost a little bit of talent in Jeff Okuda and Chase Young on defense, but they still have got like uh, Sean Wade is at cornerback. Uh, and there's a DB, uh, Zach something, uh, his name was yeah, Zach, yeah. Zach Harrison, uh, uh, DB over there in Ohio State. So, I mean, they have a lot of, I mean, obviously it's Ohio State. They always have potential, but uh, they're definitely a, uh, someone who could be climbing through the ranks, look to even uh, make noise to win a national championship. So, yeah, I, I really like, it's really hard. You can't count Ohio State out, but I think, the Big Ten could put two teams in the playoff. I mean, it's very likely that Ohio State and Penn State are both in the playoff. Penn State was a really, really good football team last year. Uh, they were really, really underrated. I think they've lost, Josh, four games in the last five years. Yeah, they were really good. I think uh, a lot of preseason rankings have them at number five right now. 
Yeah, what's your quarterback's name, though? Uh, it's something not good. Something you wouldn't trust at all to lead you into a college football playoff. Was it like Ted? No, it's not that. <laughs> oh, Sean Clifford. Yep, Clifford. That is not a quarterback you want to be in your huddle. Two minutes left. You're down eight against Alabama. Yeah, well, that's when you go into a Ryan Tannehill situation. They've got three really good running backs. So, you just give the ball to Journey, Noah, and Devin and get the hell out of the way. That's true. Try not, to, try not to throw an interception. Yeah, but like I said, I think it's really, really likely that uh, both of those teams go, go into their matchup. And, you know, it's probably going to be one of the last, last weeks of the year. They're both going to be undefeated, and they both end up in the national uh, – or in the cultural playoff. Absolutely, and one thing, uh, going back to Oklahoma State real quick, I'm so excited to watch Shuba Hubbard this year uh, coming back and what could be his final college season uh, and before he goes to the NFL. If I, I mean, uh, that's no insider news. That's just a guess of mine. Um, he, this is this will be his last <laughs> season. Yeah, and so it would it – I would, was shocked he came back. Shocked. I was too. I, I was so happy, though. Like I said, as an OSU fan, I was happy he came back uh, and wanted to go at it again and make some noise there in Stillwater. So, definitely, definitely excited about this coming up season. Definitely. So, uh, what other headlines do you got? I think we've got one or two more. Uh, yeah, so we can uh, jump into the NBA if you're ready for that. So, uh, we can talk about uh, a, little, uh, a little free agent talk in a second. Real quick, I just want to get into a little bit of the scheduling. Um, so, uh, no dates here, but the statement that came out, as the NBA is firming up the 22-team restart, 14 of those teams will be eliminated within 53 days of arriving. Okay, and then, so I, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. I, I saw this headline, but I just kind of thought, like, that's how the playoffs work. When you lose, you go home. Yeah, but I think the, the reason that the statement is coming out is everyone was thinking that they were going to be in the bubble for – three months, you know, this extended period of time away from family and friends, not being able to leave when 53 days is not even two full months. So well, I, think here's it, a, I think it's just putting in context for the numbers. But did you see the journalists are going to be there as well? But the only way they're allowed there is if they quarantine in the bubble the entire time like the players. So they would actually be there for the entirety of the finals like – uh, somebody who would be playing in the finals. So uh, you're definitely going to be seeing a lot of uh, – uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, Josh? Um, complaining complaining that their silver spoons aren't shiny enough. Yeah, well, uh, at the end of the day, the NBA can look right at any of those reporters and say, hey, look, you chose to be in here. These players have to be here. Uh, and so moving off of that, uh, 14 teams will be eliminated after 53 days, and then only four teams will remain after 67 days. So just over two months, you'll have four teams left. Um, so I think this is just kind of the NBA uh, trying to be clear with the player association and, look, we're not going to keep you guys forever. We want everyone to be able to get out and be safe, but we still need to finish the season and kind of work together. So I think this is the NBA just putting some numbers out there, hoping it sounds better. Yeah, and Josh, you said that, uh, you know, the players have to be there, but they don't. I mean, the, the NBA said that if the players don't feel comfortable, the players want to not come, well, choose not to play, like Carmelo Anthony said he rather would not play. And, you know, Carmelo, if you don't want to play, I'd say you don't play. Dame, if you don't want to play, don't play. Let let another – let a rookie take your take your minutes. I mean, this is going to – let him get some TV time, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I definitely feel like that, and – I, I just don't think we're going to see that. I, and I definitely think that if Carmelo was on a, a five or six seed, his tone would be different. But I think that's goes without saying. Yeah. And so one by saying that they have to be there, if you want a chance to win some basketball this year, you're going to show your ass up to play and you're going to help the team. So, yeah. I mean, so yeah. We'll, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if Dame and Melo feel the same way about that, but I, I, I don't think they do. Yeah, well, I think uh, there's some just distaste going on with the Trailblazers at the moment. What and what did they want? What what kind of playoff system did they want? I think that they wanted to finish out the the rest of the season. Oh, they wanted to play like 19, 20 games. 
Dame wanted to play enough games for it to matter for him to get back in the playoffs. Gotcha. So that's so that's that's his biggest thing. He doesn't want to come back and play unnecessary games. Right. So he'd have to basically probably go like six and two at the worst. But yeah, he'd have to win quite a few games, and he was just like, screw it, it's not worth it. So now we can get into a little bit of free agent talk. Uh, do you have any updates on that? I do. So we were a little worried that our guy J.R. Smith would not be able to. Uh, thrive in this new this new nba this new world where weed is legal weed uh is allowed in the nba playoffs um i guess it always has been but uh now publicly so now they're saying that teams um or i'm sorry players who have played in the g league uh this year or last year are now eligible eligible for contracts so that means demarcus cousins jr smith jamal crawford among others are all eligible Josh, where do you want to see those three guys land? So there's been a lot of talks for DeMarcus Cousins to go back to the Lakers. I don't want this to happen. I want Jamal Crawford to sign with the Lakers. Uh, I don't give a damn where DeMarcus Cousins goes. Uh, but if uh, if I had to pick somewhere, um, Milwaukee could probably use him as a little bit of depth mm. for big men. Uh if they were looking to uh, to get in that market, they could definitely use uh, just a little bit of extra rim protection. Uh, someone else who could really use him would, uh, if they wanted to get away from their uh, small ball and uh, add some add a cheap option at the big man, would be the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets, I. I, I I think they're all in on that small ball. I, I don't that's, see them doing that. That's what I'm saying. If if they want to get away from the small ball for a cheap option, because Clint Capella was not cheap anymore, uh, where DeMarcus Cousins would come in on a and definitely a veteran deal. Um, so you could get him as a cheap option there. Uh, J.R. Smith, uh, he has a different a couple of different choices, but uh, I don't I don't know he if that's another team if the Rockets wanted to uh, go all in on the small ball, they could pick up Jr. I think that's a great call there by you, uh, Jr. to the Rockets. That that sounds like a great fit. Him and him and uh, Harden down there. Uh, I guess they'll be in Orlando, so not not a lot of fun to get into. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what what about you? Do you like these? Uh, do you like the addition of these guys to some of these uh, teams? Yeah, I love Demarcus Cousins to the Dallas Mavericks. I need him to the Dallas Mavericks. Him, Luca, KP, Dorian Finney-Smith. Man, that lineup would be absolutely lethal and I, I don't really see how you'd score on it yeah that's a very underrated call there to the Mavericks that's a that would be a good landing spot uh so I definitely agree with you uh Jabal Crawford to the Lakers would be a lot of fun to watch but I think J.R. Smith reunion with uh reunion with LeBron in in La La Land it, I think that's a match made in heaven if J.R. Smith goes to Los Angeles and forgets how much time's on the clock, LeBron will go to jail for murder. Or what if he goes to the Clippers and, and like, hits a game-winning shot? Oh, God, I cannot imagine. Like, they just he gets a rebound with, like, three seconds left and just makes, like <laughs> – It's a buzzer beater. An incredible, like, time management play. Like, oh. calls a timeout. Oh, he would. Oh my God, I can't imagine what the fans would do to the Cleveland I, fans. The fans would do. I can't imagine what LeBron would do. LeBron might. You said go to jail for murder. He might go to jail for murder. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, not good options for Jr. We need him to stay away from the Clippers. We, yeah, we might just need him to stay away from LeBron. Period. <laughs> Get into somebody who won't see LeBron in the playoffs. Yeah, we need to send him to the Wizards. So, do you know when it is that these players can get signed again? What was that date? Uh, it's likely to start before July 1 uh, is when players will be allowed to sign and waive players. Uh, and I think it's going to be about a nine-day period. Okay. Well, that'll be good then. Get everyone kind of uh, accustomed to what's going on, getting everyone back in there so we have an idea of what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, and I honestly heard Rasilla putting this on his podcast, but, uh, you know, it's been made a big deal that the players, um, you know, they really have wanted a lot of time to be in shape, to be really healthy as possible to get back into this. And it's been said that the owners don't really care that, you know, that's not really a focus of theirs, but it seems like that's what the players got. I mean, Josh, we, we're talking about, you know, uh, how long away, how far away it is and, you know, how far away it is since they've announced it. And, um I think that's just because players are now allowed back in their gyms and they're getting back in shape, you know, 
starting basically the beginning of July or beginning of June for um, all the teams. So yeah, the end of July, that's a lot of time for the players. Which is well needed and well deserved. It's going to hopefully give us better content, less injuries coming back uh, whenever basketball does start up. Yeah. So, I mean, Rasilla had this line. He said, um, you know, they said they needed 30. They still needed 30 days. So that really means they needed 45, but it turns out they needed 60. I've actually got a couple more uh, free agents, Josh, to throw at you. This is one more point guard, Isaiah Thomas. Hmm. I mean, there's no way he doesn't get signed, right? I, I mean, yeah, he'll he'll probably get signed just for uh, added veteran depth uh, going into the playoffs. But maybe. where, where, where is the question? Yeah, maybe to Portland if Dame doesn't play. But uh, I think a really good <laughs> – a really good addition to him would be um, a return to the Boston Celtics. I mean, I think putting, bringing him off the bench basically as a six-man role, uh, you know, I'm not sure how healthy Kimba's knee is going to be. Uh, he's basically had a whole offseason to recover, so should be pretty healthy. But um, I think bringing him off the bench, bringing him back to Boston, I think that would rejuvenate the city. Uh, you know, Boston definitely needs it. Boston definitely needs some, uh, some rejuvenation in there. Uh, and I, I don't remember uh, if his time in Boston ended well or if it was on a bad note, because uh, if it ended well, it would be a lot of fun to uh, to watch. I'll tell you, um, another team that could, you know, could use that would be Miami. Oh, yeah, Miami could really use a point guard. Yeah, I mean, it would just, you know, bring in, like I said earlier, just a little bit of veteran depth, uh, a presence there to, to put alongside those other guys, young guys uh, in Chicago. Yeah, or in Miami. Sorry, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he could share those minutes with uh, Goran Dragic. You know, even play them together. Really, I, I think that's a really, I think that's a really good fit. Uh, one, another guard, uh, Amon Shumpert, maybe. Uh, just being honest, I don't think Shumpert's going to get signed. Um, but if he did, I could. If Jr. doesn't go to the Rockets, uh, I could see Shumpert going to the Rockets, uh, kind of filling in that uh, Gerald Green kind of role like a two-way sharp, you know, just playing some defense and spotting up the six, hey, Gerald Green, Gerald Green's out there, too, if you want him. <laughs> so I, I, think that, uh, I think that that would be a good option for him to land. Uh, honestly, even I could – if he had to go somewhere, uh, Milwaukee would also be a good landing spot for him just to add a little bit of guard depth there. So do you see any of these guys potentially ending up uh, in Oklahoma City? I, I do not. Uh, a lot of guards – um, if there was any of them, it would be maybe like a DeMarcus Cousins or um, it would have maybe to be Joe a – we'll say that again. Joe Kim Noah? Yeah, I could say like a Joe Kim Noah. But, I mean, the, the problem that you run into is you have Steven Adams and Nerlens. So, what, we, what you would really need in Oklahoma City is a four. You need a, a, a shooting four is what you need. Yep, and Patrick Patterson was not that guy for the Thunder. Uh, who do they have playing that role this year? Uh, it's been a lot of Gallo. Right, yeah, Gallo's been there. Uh, he's gonna he's gone for this year, huh? Uh, more than likely, yeah. Uh, really, I think he does have like a an option. Um, right, he does have an option. But it's gonna be one of those things where I'm surprised. I'm actually really surprised the Thunder didn't trade him whenever he was playing so well. But then there's also the stance of, hell, they're playing really good basketball, and we've got 13 draft picks in the next six years or what the hell ever it is. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Presti's not too worried about it or maybe they're having some, some side conversations with Gallo. But I really expected to see him in a Lakers uniform this year. Oh, yeah, I think that would have been fun to see. But I think the side conversations have more been with uh, Chris Paul. I think uh, Chris Paul and Sam Presti have been – hand-to-hand uh, -hand in this Thunder season and how well it's gone. I think uh, I think they were both ready to jump ship um, as soon as things started to go bad, but they just never did. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, before this season, finding a trade destination for Chris Paul was not going to be an easy feat. Right, but I, I think, they, I mean, if they really wanted to, I mean, they could have got it done. Yeah, but we both know that Sam Presti is not that kind of GM. Sam Presti is the GM where he's going to get what he feels is enough value out of whatever whoever he's going to trade because he sells Chris Paul in contract. 
So he's not obligated to trade Chris Paul. The only thing that would have forced it would be Chris Paul uh, refusing to play, which I don't think Chris Paul's that kind of guy. No. So, so I think that they just kind of went with what was going with what was working, and that was winning basketball. Yeah, it's definitely worked this far. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting the NBA back, getting some uh, live sports back on the TV. Josh, did you watch any golf today? I actually did not get uh, any golf. I got some updates uh, on my phone uh, throughout the day, but I did not get to watch any golf. Ooh, I watched it all day. It was on in the background all day long. I watched Justin Rose pour in birdie after birdie. I watched Jordan Spieth. I think Jordan Spieth is going to have a really, really good year this year. I said that on the on the pod uh, on Wednesday, didn't I, Josh? You absolutely did. I did see uh, the putt from uh, right off of the green. Uh, was it by Rose? Oh, Justin Rose. Yeah, that long. Oh, oh no. Um, that was Rom, wasn't it? When uh, when Brooks cussed. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said. So uh, definitely, um, it was a little sad to see that Ricky was the only player that agreed to wear the hot mic. Uh, I was definitely a uh, really upset by that. I mean, it would be just horrible commentary by Darren Ravel and whoever the hell else was <laughs> Alan Shipnuck. It was it was awful. And then every once in a while, we would just get Ricky in like a greenside bunker talking to his caddy for like four minutes and it was incredible and if we just had that the entire time just i don't care who's wearing the mics i don't care and we've been touting this the whole time if we could get more access to what these guys are actually saying the conversations that are being had this would make the sport so much more enjoyable and it makes such and it makes so many more household names and it makes better tv like Harold Varner today. Harold Varner shot, what, six under, five under? He was uh, – he might have even shot seven under. He might have a share of the lead. And this guy was in the share of a lead of a Masters last year uh, in that – in a major last year, famously in that major, in that final round. He shot an 84. But he was there on Saturday night, and that's all that matters. So if we give him a mic, if we let him – go out there with a hot mic and he goes out there and shoots a 64 he's now a household name because i guarantee today's round was a higher draw than any first round pga tour event probably ever and he was he did end up sharing the lead at seven under and you're exactly right it's he's this far into it and people still don't know but if we had access to more of these players you would get to see a lot more personality from these guys and those names would be more common I mean, yeah, and that's the thing, like, these guys aren't funny. These guys are professional golfers, and that's what they do for a living. They play golf, and golf is a really isolated sport. You're out there by yourself a lot. You're out there with your caddy a lot. You're driving around in carts by yourself just thinking in your head, and, like, it's a really taxing sport on the mental. And, uh, you know, these guys have a really, really kind of – I don't want to say weird sense of humor, but it's different. You know, it's not. it's not like – your normal athletes, your normal, your normal guys. These are professional golfers. So, I mean, and I think the golf fans would really, really enjoy that. Absolutely. We've been, we've been clamoring for it for weeks, for months. Years. So, uh, Josh, I think that's enough on the uh, PGA Tour. We're going to do a full recap on that on Monday, of course. Can't wait to watch the rest of the tournament this weekend. And we're going to do a Fantasy Football Friday coming up. I'm going to tell you why the Bills are going to dominate the Patriots all season long, all decade long, right after this. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, Kyler, here we are with a Fantasy Football Friday AFC East edition. Fantasy Football Friday AFC East. So we've got the Bills, Jets, Pats, and Dolphins. So uh, from a real game perspective, real quick, this is actually a very interesting division to watch this year because of what could be the fall of the Patriots 
the rise of the Bills and the Dolphins. And then you have the Jets uh, with Mono. Oh, Josh, oh, you need to stop bragging on the Jets because they're going to be second in this division. They definitely have a chance to be second. I don't think that they will. I, uh, I definitely do not think that they will be second, but they, there's always a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. But first, Josh, let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. What do you you're, think about the Dolphins? You were very high on the Dolphins this year. I think that there's a, a lot of talent to go around for Miami. Um, I think that they are going to end up uh, dynasty-wise uh, in a from a uh, quarterback perspective. I think that out of this division, the four quarterbacks that you have right now, I think that they have the third-best dynasty quarterback. The third-best dynasty quarterback? I do. I uh, I think that Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and then Tua. And then I, uh, Jared Stidham rounded out the four spot. I think that uh, he has – he's got weapons in Preston Williams and Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. He obviously in redraft. Oh, not, in this division. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the division. I yeah, was yeah. so confused. I was like, where the fuck is Mahomes? Yeah, no, 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 in the division, in the division. Gotcha. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. In the division. And so uh, he has some weapons down there in Miami. He's going to be able to throw a little bit because I think that they're probably going to be behind in most games again. So he's going to have a chance to throw the ball and, and get some fancy points out of it. They're definitely going to be behind a lot. And Devontae Parker, I'm super high on Devontae Parker this year. If you see the guys that uh, that Tua like to throw to at Alabama, they uh, they rival Devontae Parker in a lot of ways in his size, in his the routes he runs, in the way he catches the ball uh, in stride. So I think Devontae Parker has huge upside in Tua coming in this year. Uh, the question is, it, does Tua play this year? or? With Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might, uh, you know, keep control of that starting job just for, you know, maybe the first six, eight weeks as uh, Tua gets healthy, really learns the playbook. As you know, we're not he, – he hasn't really met with his coaches yet. I, don't, I wouldn't really guess. And if he has, maybe not too much. Uh, so I think, you know, seeing him sit out the first maybe three to six weeks is pretty likely. Uh, and the perfect guy to uh, put in there to win you three to six weeks is Ryan Fitzpatrick. So here's what I think about the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starter going into 2020 as long as things are good. If you're six weeks in and somehow you're four and two, maybe even three and three, I think they they let him ride it out until after week six, uh, the first time that they're in a losing – the first time that they have a losing record after six games – I think they'll start to move to it into that spot, maybe for a half at first, get his feet wet. Um, but that's when you'll start to see Tua. If you've played seven games and you're three and four, look for Tua in on week eight. So out of the running backs, Josh, who do you like? Uh, so I actually really like Matt Breida in the backfield here. Uh, Jordan Howard's going to be a, a goal line kind of monster. I've talked about it before. He's just going to be there to steal – touchdowns kind of like Zach Moss I'll get into that in a little bit but uh he's just there to, to steal touchdowns Breed is going to be the the feature back he's going to be running and breaking tackles um and trying to get as much in, work in there as he can with what could be a a improved offensive line trying to make just make plays happen so Breed is going to be the guy there to watch for uh in Miami uh, I'm not super high on him overall but as far as this division goes um He's one of the ones, uh, one of the top four. Yeah, I, I think Patrick Laird, I like a lot out of Miami. Uh, I, I guess I like Matt, Matt Breida, but I, I guess I really haven't seen him a lot just because he was in that system in San Francisco. That's where he really thrived. And I guess I'm, I'm excited to see him outside of that, see him outside of a Kyle Shanahan scheme. But uh, I, I kind of disagree with you on the uh, – on the Matt Breida take, because I just think he's going to share a lot of the a lot of the carries with Keelan Balage, and I think Jordan Howard is really going to thrive um, in the role that he finds there, and I think that that role is going to be a lot more uh, bountiful in the fantasy perspective. Well, absolutely. I mean, he's going to be a, a guy that you could fill in for a flex spot on bye weeks, or if you're just kind of looking for a, a mid to late round kind of guy, Jordan Howard is definitely someone you can take. That, like I said, he's going to be what. Fancy hope what you're gonna hope for Jordan Howard is that he gets a 
four-yard touchdown at least once every game. Yeah, definitely. So uh, where do you have them finishing, Josh? What, what's their record? Uh, Miami, I think that I still had them going six and ten or seven and nine. I, yeah, more, I, more realistically, I think I had them going six and ten. I think I'd agree with that. I think they're going to improve, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, I think that Fitzmagic is going to be able to win some games, but you've got a rookie coming in, and we'll see, uh, you know, how he fares at winning football games. All right. So, uh, who do you got next, Josh? Who do we want to talk about next? Uh, well, let's go ahead and get into it. You were excited about them. Let's get into the Bills. Uh, let's let's start with the Patriots. Oh, okay. We can the ones that are going to get dominated. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, from uh, from a quarterback perspective, uh, Jared Stidham, you have to think that he's going to be the guy at least for now moving forward. Uh, Bill Belichick wants to use him. He's he's been working out with guys. He's been uh, going after it in the offseason as much as possible. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains, obviously. There's not a lot of offensive weapons. Um, one thing that I think one player that will shine uh, in this will be Nikhil Harry. Uh, Julian Edelman is going to be a staple, obviously. We know what Julian Edelman can do. But Nikhil Harry is a young, athletic guy who's going to be able to burn some players and catch a, catch a lot of footballs this year. I think that from a fancy, especially a dynasty perspective, I am loving Nikhil Harry, and I am buying high wherever I can get him. Uh, young, super talented, uh, love what he has to bring. Obviously, if you can get your uh, hands on Edelman, um, definitely going to be a great, uh, great receiver there. Uh, but Someone else that's going to have a great year is going to be Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is going to get a lot of dink and dunk passes from Jarrett Stidham, where Bill Belichick's going to, you know, need to build some confidence up. Probably at the beginning of the season in early down situations, he's going to throw a lot to running backs. We saw it with Tom Brady. You're going to see it with Jarrett Stidham, Sony Michelle, and James White. I think Sony's going to benefit a little bit more from this, but we've seen that Bill Belichick's not afraid to go to either running back um, in any situation. But I think that Sony Michelle. Uh, a little bit younger, a little bit more explosive. Um, I think that you're going to see him have just a great year uh, catching those little bitty passes, screen passes. So I'm I'm really high on Sony Michelle out of the Patriots. So I think um, the notion that Brian Hoyer might not start or uh, won't start week one shouldn't be completely dismissed. I think it could be a situation kind of like Miami. Just, uh, you know, we haven't been here a while. We haven't been with each other a while. You haven't. You know, we haven't watched tape with each other in a while. You know, let's just – let's let Brian start, you know, the first few weeks and we'll bring you in, you know, week three, week four, you know, like the season even matters. Or like the first four weeks even matter. We saw that, you know, sitting uh, – Tom Brady missing the first four weeks uh, a couple years ago. But I completely agree with you that Sonny Michelle and James White are definitely going to uh, benefit from the passing attack that uh, Tom Brady thrives in. You know, the short dink and dunk passes down the field, they, they cut you up, they slice you up. But I think Damian Harris is going to be – uh, the back that really, really benefits from those goal line carries. Uh, you said it, Josh, Bill Belichick really likes to utilize the younger running backs, um, less miles and Damian Harris, 23 years old, uh, really fresh running back, really heavy runner. Uh, I really like Damian Harris in this system. Uh, I think you could see him uh, take on a role. Like what was that? What was that guy's name? Who was on the uh, cover of sports illustrated uh, gray Jonas Gray. I was right about that, right? Yeah. Jonas Gray. Yeah, he disappeared, didn't he? You haven't heard from him since. Absolutely, he did. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, how, you said you, you're in on Nikhil Harry, huh? I am. Dynasty, uh, not so much redraft, um, just because I think that you're going to see a lot of short passes this season. I'm not saying he's going to have a terrible year, but um, from a dynasty perspective, I love Nikhil Harry. And I'm, I'm still in on Jacoby Myers. I still have some Jacoby Myers stock out of North Carolina State. Uh, I really like him a lot, um, and definitely Mohamed Sanu. Uh, you know, a full off season. You know, obviously this off season is a normal is, isn't a normal one, but like a full, you know, a real training camp and preseason with Bill Belichick getting accustomed to that system is really going to do Mohamed Sanu some good um, if Bill doesn't trade him. But I think a real a sleeper, Josh, and this is this is uh, for you actually. If you need, you need to go check in your dynasty league tonight, if this guy's available, Dalton Keene. The tight end, the second tight end out of Virginia Tech, he is a stud. Dalton King, okay, I I guarantee you he's available. 
he is. He's a he's a rookie. I mean, he's second on the depth chart, so uh, he's definitely definitely uh, highly looked upon by the Patriots. But uh, I, I imagine he's definitely available. Uh, I imagine that the rookie they drafted out of UCLA is not available. Uh, but if he is too, uh, get him, Devin Asiki. So I think that my biggest fear of the Patriots this year is that their scoring is going to take a, a hit. I think that from a fantasy perspective, the players won't be as relevant this year. Uh, I think that they're going to see a lot of a Tennessee Titans from last year. Um, we're obviously Derrick Henry Flores, but the quarterback and receivers, not so much um, throughout most of the season, whereas they're going to just spend the first – six to eight weeks just trying to get by and win games no matter how ugly it is. I completely agree with that. And that's why uh, I think um, Damian Harris is really going to thrive there. But, Josh, let's get into who is next, and that will be the New York Jets. So the Jets are a lot of fun to talk about. But, man, there's just, uh, you know, it's as exciting as it can be. Obviously, I'm super excited about Sam Darnold coming back off of uh, what was kind of a missed year for him. He went kind of quiet last year, which can also be a good thing, uh, you know, if you look at that versus what Baker did and was super loud and, you know, wet the bed. So Darnold uh, came back, played, you know, all right, wasn't terrible, wasn't fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm, I'm actually – I'm not going to say I'm high on Sam Darnold. I'm high for this division for what we're looking at. Um, Sam Darnold, to me, is a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. From a dynasty perspective, uh, he holds a lot more value for me just because I think that his ceiling could be really high if they get a couple more playmakers uh, over there for the Jets. And that's I think that's his biggest downfall is just lack of huge playmakers. Um, right now, obviously, he has a great veteran in Le'Veon Bell um, and Frank Gore. So, I mean, he's got two veteran, two veteran running backs. Uh, and, you know, if, if Le'Veon can have some kind of comeback this season, obviously one of the most dynamic running backs uh, that we've seen in a, in a while was Le'Veon just a few years ago. So, I mean, if – yeah, there was a, a case to be made ever. He had that little hesitation coming out of the backfield and he would make a cut and run like crazy and run you over. But we haven't seen that in the last couple of years, so – Hopefully, uh, hopefully he can get back to what he was. Frank Gore is going to be the, the steady veteran that gets three and a half yards per carry when you need uh, that third and two situation. Frank Gore will get you the first down. Not a lot of fantasy outlook uh, on my end. I'm not too high on Frank Gore. Uh, the only argument that you could make is that they're going to split carries and that there will be some opportunity for Gore to go around. I just don't think he's going to make enough out of it to really make a difference uh, in a redraft, in a redraft league, if you're looking for a, a late guy, some depth on the bench, you can pick him up. But to me, other than that, he doesn't really have a lot of value. Um, wide receiver wise, this is actually where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, Jamison Crowder has been a um, absolute bust every time that I draft him. I trade him away, and he still has done that. Last year, he kind of came to a little bit, uh, started playing okay, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, but he has those weeks. He'll score 22 points one week and then two the next uh, four. So you, well, it's, it's only – to be fair, it's only the weeks that he's on your bench. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. I went ahead and got rid of him. I don't own any Jameson Crowder stock, and I will not be buying back any just because of how many times I've been burned. But I will not blame you if you go out and buy Jameson Crowder uh, middle, low end of the draft. But a – a very exciting prospect that I have in Dynasty um, is Denzel Mims. I think that Denzel yeah. Mims has a great chance to come in and flourish catching balls from Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has an arm on him, and Mims can go up and uh, – I think he's going to deliver on some of these balls that Darnold throws to him. So I think you're going to see an immediate impact made by the rookie. I think he has a case for uh, – as, as mo do most of these wide receivers – Coming into the season, he has a case made to be the most uh, effective wide receiver as a rookie. Uh, I definitely agree with uh, the Denzel Mims take there. Uh, Denzel Mims, I think, is going to fill that big playmaker role that they've been desperately missing uh, since since uh, Sam Darnold has arrived there. And I also think Braxton Berrios is going to fill that role. I, I'm really, I really like Braxton Berrios out of Miami. Uh, uh, pair him with Brashad Perriman coming out of Tampa Bay. Uh, he's been, he was explosive last year for Jameis. So I, I think 
I, man, all the tools are here for Sam Darnold. So I'm, I, I'm not all in on Sam Darnold like you are, Josh. I, I, I'm, like you said, his ceiling is pretty high, but I think his floor is also pretty low. Um, but a guy I am high on in the quarterback position at the Jets, uh, James Morgan, Captain Morgan out of FIU. I am so high on him. He is such a cool guy. And I think that plays a lot, uh, not only in the locker room, but to show that he's going to be a successful quarterback one day. Yeah, I mean, he'll be he'll be waiting a little while. Sam Darnold's still a pretty young guy, so if he stays there, he's going to be uh... – I, I disagree because I think, like I said, Josh, I think this is the year that uh, Sam Darnold has to prove it. Uh, I don't think that he is in a must-prove-it year, kind of like what a lot of people say about Baker. I think that he got a, uh, a lot of that off of him with getting the mono. I think it took some of the pressure away. I think that he just has to be uh, mediocre this year, and I think he'll be just fine. At least I just think he has year. too many targets. Now he does, but he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't. He played well with Robbie Anderson his rookie year. I mean, he played well coming in his rookie season. Last year getting mono and the team as a whole took a step back. Le'Veon didn't play well. I don't think you can blame uh, that on Darnold as much as you can someone like Baker of last year. I guess we're going to give him one more year, and then at this time next year, Josh, we're going to be saying the same thing. You know, oh, this is the year that Sam Darnold has to prove it when I was saying it a year before. Yeah, if he uh, if he doesn't do it this year, then I will give him next year to prove himself. But I don't think this is a make-or-break year. Because I think we're saying the same thing about Dak right now, too. Dak's situation is, is crazy. But let's go ahead and get into the final team here. Let's do it. My uh, boys. The Buffalo Bills. Tom McDermott. I want you to start in on him. Yep, let's go. Josh Allen, uh, people say, you know, Josh, he's not a transcendent, a transcendent talent, a transcendent quarterback. He's not really made to uh, sustain a long career in the NFL. I completely disagree. I think uh, what we saw last year is exactly who he is, and I think that's enough to win this division for at least the next five years and probably the next ten. Uh, I mean, all the teams we just listed, Josh, they suck. They, they are not – more than seven or eight wins, and I mean, you'd admit that. I mean, you, I asked you, um, what do you thought of Miami? And I, I'm actually probably highest on my, Miami outside of Buffalo. So, uh, so I'm, I'm not high on this division at all, and I think that's exactly why you're going to see Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, man, they're going to dominate this division for the next 10 years. John, I mean, Devin Singletary is amazing. Absolutely. From a real game perspective, Buffalo has everything it needs to make a big run. Uh, Josh Allen is coming into his own as the kind of player that he is. He's a scramble around. People worry about his accuracy. Uh, reports are that he's been really working on that in the offseason with different uh, trainers virtually and uh, with people around his area. So I look for him to take a step forward in that role. I'm actually uh, – this is my favorite quarterback in the division – I think that he's going to take a real big step forward. I'm a huge Josh Allen proponent. Um, he's going to win them football games. Their defense is taking a step forward. I'm, I'm very high on the Buffalo Bills, especially to win the division, just because what you said, all the other teams suck. Uh, Devin Singletary is my number one running back uh, in this division. Uh, Sony Michelle was second, Le'Veon third, then Matt Breida. So Singletary, number one. Um, the only thing that I don't like about Singletary is the signing of Zach Moss. Buffalo screwed fantasy value by doing by making this move. Zach Moss is going to be exactly uh, that uh, Jordan Howard, Damian Harris role, stealing touchdowns away, which I'm so mad about. But anyway, um, Devin Singletary is a wonderful back, uh, elusive, fast, uh, can run you over when he needs to. Uh, he's just shifty. He's a, he's a great talent to have there. Yeah, obviously the signing of Stephon Diggs increases that talent level of the wide receiver core to a different level, which is really what Buffalo needed to do to take another step forward. So this is a great where is, signing. Uh, where's Stephon Diggs in your division rankings? Uh, he's the number one wide receiver I have. So they've got the number one quarterback, number one running back, number one receiver. Absolutely in this division for me, fantasy fantasy wise. Um, so my my yeah exactly my receiver rankings: Diggs, Preston Williams. Edelman – oh, this is for Dynasty, by the way. Uh, Diggs, Preston Williams, Edelman, Denzel Mims, Devontae Parker, Nikhil Harry, John Brown, Jamison Crowder. You're really low on Jamison Crowder. 
I am, and I'm also low on Devontae Parker. I think that he's going to take a step back. Oh, yeah, but, you didn't even have him listed, did you? Uh, yeah, he's behind Mims. But uh, anyway, back to oh, them real okay. quick. Uh, so, Diggs is going to change that offense around uh, very much so. And they also have a really good tight end in Dawson Knox. Uh, he's a, a really young guy, 22, 23 years old, is coming into his own. He's going to be one of, one of the league's uh, better tight ends in a couple of years. So, uh, I've – it's super exciting for Buffalo. The, this fan base couldn't be happy right now. They have no reason to be happier in a long time than how they are set up right now. I definitely agree. And uh, John Brown is 30 years old, Josh. That's kind of hard to believe, or not really hard to believe, but it feels like he's 40 years old, how long he's – seems like he's been around in the league running faster than everyone else. But a guy you're going to see running faster than everyone else this year, uh, two guys actually, Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, two rookies joining this team this year. They are absolute speedsters, and they're going to be running on the outside, and you're going to see them run past everyone a few times this year for big, big touchdowns. Uh, and I think you're you're really going to see them take over that, that for sure the third uh, receiver role, but probably even the second. I think they're going to take that over from Cole Beasley. Uh, he's getting up there in age two. Yeah, definitely getting older. Uh, and you could definitely see some guys. Isaiah Hodgins is very fast. Um, those veterans are going to be there to make some catches like Danny Amendola provides some, some sure hands to the, to the still young quarterback uh, with that uh, accuracy, hoping to take a step forward. You need those guys that can just make plays and catch balls whenever they need to. Um, and then every now and then get one of your speedsters to chunk a 45 yard bomb down the field. So this Buffalo team is going to be a lot more exciting than what we've been able to watch uh, previously. I'm really excited to watch Josh Allen run around and throw it up. <laughs> absolutely i am too can't wait for the season to actually uh, get started a little bit this has been a, a really good fantasy football segment the afc east has a lot of talent and a lot of question marks so it's really fun to to dive into a lot of the i like to dive into the question marks more than i do the absolute stars so this one was a, a really fun one for me to to look into and and to get some stats for I loved it. Uh, Josh, I can't wait to do another Fantasy Football Friday next Friday. Um, if you'd like to hear us break down your favorite division, your least favorite division, uh, your rival, send it, send it to us on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Instagram. Um, we're always there. We're always active. We're always looking for some engagement from you guys. So uh, look for us there. Uh, Josh, I had a lot of fun today. Yeah, man, it was really good. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, so we don't have the, the video up yet, but we started this when it was dark, and at my house, the birds are chirping, and the sunrise is shining. So uh, this has been a, a good episode, man. Yeah, it really has. I really enjoyed it. All right, man. Talk to you later. Later, bud.